welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast. And I do want to start out um, again just saying, hey, if you've heard anything or hear anything today that you find interesting or think other people would enjoy, we'd really appreciate it if you share that either on social media or just writing a comment wherever you're watching or listening. That'd be terrific and great for us to know that um, you're getting some content that you enjoy and it would help us out to know what to continue to talk about. So I'm joined as always by co-host of the podcast, and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I, I like the fact that you're challenging people to give comments because it would be nice to know. We are we ask a lot of questions around here, and we evaluate things all the time, and we want to know that we're doing thing, something that's valuable. And you may have a comment or a question that makes it a lot more valuable if we yeah. respond. So we study that all the time and, and are very open to that. So please do. Yep. Brett and I sat uh, a couple weeks ago when we had a week in between we try to evaluate some things about the podcast, and we'd love your guys' input as well as you know, what kind of things do you like to hear, what kind of things maybe haven't been that important to you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Or, yeah. This yeah. was a complete dud. You can say right. things like that. You can. It's, it's all right. And it's, I have had one person tell me, mm, that episode wasn't very good. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't um, even tell me that. I'll tell you later. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to tell me later which episode it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that means they're listening. So we really appreciate right. you guys uh, taking the time. Um, we try to keep these about 30 minutes and um, hopefully just something we think can relate to you and ultimately create conversation. That's the one thing that I wrote down in my notebook. What should every um, episode have? And it's just continuing having conversation. So today we have creative arts director and pastor of at our West Campus and everybody's friend, Matt Breivogel. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's friend. If you don't have a friend, Matt can be yours. He can. I'll be your friend. Yeah, and Matt um, taught at our Evansville campuses over the weekend, and then um, Ryan Nunn taught at our Henderson campus. And so um, I know you guys spoke, you and Ryan talked a bit about your messages and, and used some similar content. So we wanted to just continue having the conversation with Matt and um, and really just talking a little bit more about some of the things that he had in his message. So um, first of all, Matt, I have a couple questions for you. They kind of relate to the message, but are also just questions for you. So um, first off, you're kind of known in some of your messages and in general to add some dance moves, right? And you had one yesterday. Yeah, a subtle little sh- shake of the feet, if yeah, you will. You did? He did. Yeah, I did, did it. Did you do it at both East. campuses? You did it at East? I don't know. I think I did it. Was both. I paying yeah. attention? I know you did Maybe it at West. I, I didn't see it. To you, that's just Matt, probably my daily thing. You <laughs> yeah, didn't notice that's it. That's right. Okay, that may have been it. It was that subtle. So was dancing always something that you just did and it became oh. something you're like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of not bad at this and you just continue to do it? Or was it hmm. just something that, did you take like lessons anywhere or? You know, if by lessons you mean my older brother and I watching a lot of hip hop videos growing up, he was older than me. And so that was what he was into. Therefore, that's what I watched. And so in the 80s, hip hop, you had the guy rapping, but there's always the two guys dancing in the background, like doing moves and jumping over each other. And so that was what me and my brother would emulate in our (laughs) living room, um, watching like BET and Yo MTV raps and stuff. And so then... Obviously, I became a Michael Jackson fan as a kid of the 80s, and so emulating his dance moves. I remember specifically, um, I can't remember what year it was, but Michael Jackson was on Oprah, and he was teaching her some of the moves and how to do the moonwalk and stuff, and my mom recorded it because she... (laughs) When she um, she had to work during the day, so she wanted to watch it later. Well, I was watching it, and I remember like watching it in slow motion and pausing it, and like, okay, this feet do that, and then I'm in my kitchen learning the moonwalk. That's how I learned it. Um, wow! And, so, and have I seen you do the moonwalk? Well, well I, don't I, don't, I don't know that I have. I'll do it for you. The actual one, the, yeah, the thing you need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. We'll and I had it. never heard that that you were a product of Oprah and Michael Jackson together working, Taught me and watching that, because teaching of that. You that. Hmm. 
That's yeah. funny. Because I wondered, okay, so because she said, it, you know, being good at it, which which you are, you get away with it. But dancing is always one of those things. How do you know when that time's come that you can actually do it in <laughs> public? Because most of us would not do that. It we probably would. came, one, just sixth grade. I right. went to my first, like, school dance, you know, yeah. and just was busting out some of the moves. And... <laughs> You know, not a lot of people were busting out moves back then. I, right. my older, my older brother taught me dance moves. And I was, so did they create a circle yeah. around you? Did that, that has happen? happened. That happened. That has happened. Really? Times, yeah. Wow. Never it's happened fun. to me. <laughs> I, so. want, I don't think it's going to either. Yeah. I like that. I like that we went down this road because you That's, weren't expecting nah, it at all. I'm embarrassed. No, nah. but and then on um, a little bit more of a different note. So and you did. You know, you've taught here at One Life multiple times and. Um, I don't know if I've really asked you this before and, and Matt and I work together every day so I have all, multiple times to, to ask this question but when when was the first time you really um, taught from a platform like giving a message like a sermon type thing? Okay. Um, I guess it depends on what size platform you mean. Um, or when did you know I guess that that's something that you wanted to do? Oh man. Did someone just ask you and you did or? So I was curious about that. in the earliest times it was filling in for our high school youth group leader um and maybe he saw something in me and if he was going to be out on sunday he would give me the content you know or and say like hey i'm gonna need you to do it and i took that very seriously i thought that was a cool thing so it's probably starting there leading my peers in, in some of that context and then in that same group later a few years later after i graduated college um then leading the high school sunday group sunday school group and then you know, launching Lampstand with Austin, him and I co-teaching and taking turns leading, you know, a room of about 30 people, you know, it's a good place to start. Um, and then the first big group I ever did, like a formal kind of sermon in front of, um, Trey McLean gave me the opportunity when they were still at Discovery Church in the theater on the West Side. And so then that's the first time I'd been in like an auditorium type setting where I'm the person having to <laughs> teach something. And just going to be dead honest, 50% of that sermon was probably really similar to a sermon that Tim Keller may have given, <laughs> but I just made it me, you know, my, sure. my personality, but like the may points and some it. of the, the, it was like, that's kind of where I was and how I was learning and trying to grow in that at the time, you know, it was a while sure. back now, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I got comfortable. I got some, got affirmed in that, um, by some people, uh, even doing that and I just grew my confidence and then, you know just doing that. And then I, I remember my first time I ever taught at One Life, just went, oh man, we were doing a project, one of the, probably the second one, I guess, uh, we ever did at One Life. And it was when we did it at a, a site specifically, a team would travel. And uh, I guess they went to West to do it. And so Henderson needed just kind of a one-off message. And Brett said, right. just do a message on why you trust the Bible, your journey in that. And I, that was an easy one because that was all me and just kind of giving my journey and what I, right. how I believed about that. And so that was my first message I ever did uh, at One Life. And it was just to Henderson on that day. And that, you know, I went back and watched a little bit not too long ago. I'm like, oh man, I've gotten better a little bit. So that's good to know. <laughs> it reminds me, my, I, I think I've said it on here. My favorite compliment I ever got was a lady said, you've improved so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just it's a great thing to hear. Like, mm, oh, yeah. thank, thank you very much. I, I do remember maybe my second time I had somebody come up to me afterwards and this was in when we were still preaching live from Henderson on Sundays and um, he was like, you know what, I come and 
Brett, you know, he does a really good job, but, and I was hoping it was going to be Brett, but you know what? You, you surprised me. You did a really good job today. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you, you surprised me. <laughs> he was like, cause it, I guess he saw me come. He's like, oh man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Still gave can, me a compliment somehow. Well, he did. That's right. You you can take that. I'll take uh, it. But uh, from the time, I, I think I remember the first time you ever did speak, and I got a lot of people get a lot more feedback when it's the very first time they've ever seen you or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of I got a lot of positive feedback out of that. And even people saying things like, "You think I'll be the one that uh, is after you? Just, you should have him do that." You know, it was like, "Wow, okay, we're kind of jumping the gun a little bit." But, <laughs> we're <laughs> sure. still pretty young. Is that a hint? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's oh, funny. Um, and one of the, one of your well, I guess your your main point you gave twice yesterday, and I wanted to read that, and then and you used a, a pretty interesting example, and I want I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation about that here, but um, you said don't play the comparison game, and always remember the good news. Um, and in your example, you gave kind of towards the beginning of your message, talking about um, you meet people in other church settings, and maybe you guys introducing each other, getting to know each other, and usually one of the first questions people ask you is is what. How much? How much you guys running on Sunday morning? How many you running? <laughs> how many you running? That's Which right. is That's, speak for that goes what's your back attendance? As long right? as I've been doing this, this is like twenty five years. And what are you running? <laughs> That's just how it's said. You go to different church contexts. Yeah, it's just interesting. Like I mean, yeah. and I, I feel like I've had that before. People say, "Well, you, know, you guys are a big church," or "You're," you know, they use those types of terms, mm-hmm. or "You guys have a lot of people," or "How many people do you have?" Um, and and kind of your. Can you talk a little bit more about the? Uh, the conversation around that that you had. Yeah. And so for me, you know, every time I get that, it, it kind of pauses me for a second. Cause I always wonder like, why are they asking? Um, and then uh, the secondary thing that's happening in my head is my heart goes multiple places. Like, am I going to have to exaggerate based off like last Sunday was low? I mean, I'm, I've honestly, I like I'm, the way you worded that. Am I going to have to exaggerate? Cause it's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> It's funny. It is definitely a hard thing for me to say because, you know, I remember a few years ago, the number might have been a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just was. And, you know, we've we plateaued for a bit and we're kind of on this little cool uptick. But, um, yeah, like your pride kicks in and you want to give wow. your best Sunday number to this person for some reason. And yeah. I don't know. It just is a weird thing. Yeah. Me. People need to know. I mean, if you're not kind of inside the church leadership culture. Uh, you may not think about it. I, I think your average person in the seats thinks about it a little. Maybe they they know the difference between a fairly big church or a smaller one, because people have experiences with that. But inside the church world, it it really is kind of a street cred thing. Mm-hmm. That um, and I've I've always kind of noticed that. Uh, let's just say it: when you go to a conference, when they introduce someone who's going to be a speaker they'll almost always say, and he's the pastor of a church of 10,000 in such and such a community. That's true. They rarely say, you know, he's a pastor of a church of 112 in, in some uh, <laughs> community. They just won't say that. It won't come up. And, and so there's a little bit of um, that's how we size things up. It just is. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it does sure. happen a lot. It's just there. And trying to get that flushed out of your system is really, really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's a realistic curiosity. I mean, we're yeah. all doing this together, and you compare... Um, how things are going and people want to genuinely know, because I think we learn from each other too, yep. you know, um, and there is something to be said for like, you, you'll hear of a church that went from zero to 10,000 or something like that. And, and you wonder about that because like, I think you pointed out the stats in the sermon that, uh, what is it? 10% are 
250 or yeah about 11 percent. one in 10 churches are over 250 on a sunday morning attendance. okay so it's very non-typical for something to even grow to a 500 or a thousand or whatever so if something really explodes attendance wise there's a there's a thing there that you wonder okay what was in the water kind of thing and it is attractive and it's one of those things you you wonder about and we all know we've had the experience of planning some event even if it's not a church thing that we wanted people to come to they didn't yeah <laughs> you think it's going to be great yeah there's, 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 there's show nothing up. worse than just sort of a you know empty room that you thought was going to be full and it creates this ambiance that's uh, that's difficult you know that statistics interesting and I, i'm I, and I always you know overthink things a little bit but is that do you think that's because there are so many different churches that i mean that that number statistically can't be any higher than that i mean if if you go down you know on a picker road in evansville even or henderson and you might see 10 churches and maybe right. only one of them is 250 you know 250 or more and so statistically i mean that would be about 10 percent. well i mean it just depends on how well the church is being received and how much it's growing in culture at any given time i think is what you have to measure to because i mean if everybody in a specific neighborhood wanted to go to church on any given Sunday, yeah, they wouldn't be able to hold them. I mean, right. so, I mean, it could be higher if people were attending. Um, yeah, there's a lot of sociological realities, too, because you, you can read books and go to conferences and everything, and I'm, since I've been around forever, I've, I've done this kind of stuff because you're always torn on this whole issue because, again, it's a street cred thing. Uh, but there are books out there that will say things like how to break the 200 or 300 barrier, how to break a thousand barrier, because there really are plateau places. Um, and they, they, you can break out of certain patterns because you change how you do things. That's, mm -hmm. that's been documented and people study this kind of thing. It's sociological issues that, uh, for instance, to get past the 300 barrier, you typically have to turn a lot more leadership over that you three, two or 300 represents what one pastor can typically kind of keep track of mm -hmm. and be at everybody's bedside and that kind of thing. And you have to, if you go to a more of a leadership from the congregation model, you'll, t you have a youth pastor or whatever else you'll tend to be able to go beyond that a little bit more. And then it goes, kind of goes beyond that. So there's some of that. Kind and of you thing have to happens. continue to re up on your missional strategy. Cause mm -hmm. I was, I think I said this in my version of the sermon at West. I don't know if I said it at East, but um, we could pat ourselves on the back for being in that top percentile and say, we're comfortable here and not right. get any bigger. Um, but you got to rethink things and push yourself and, do things different, change things, yeah. and a lot of times in religious circles I've grown up in, change is hard. Yeah. Well, and we and we and you, you mentioned a while ago we actually went way up. Uh, we mm -hmm. were uh, we we broke past two thousand at one point, and then we went back down. And one of the reasons was because we simply didn't have the staffing to sustain it, and we didn't uh, focus on. We let our groups kind of get sloppy, and you'll notice the uptick later uh, lately. Uh, that's almost there's a direct line between that and hiring groups people at each campus who can manage uh, the group world and the group world right. is is fundamental to uh, to growth and all those kinds of issues so it's like this strange tension between you know practical things you can do and then the pride stuff and it's a mess it's hard <laughs> <laughs> well and, and I was thinking and, and maybe you'll talk more about this in the next few weeks because I know we are going to be this whole series we're talking about church planting and um, our life as mission and movement is the tagline of our our current series here um, as our localized um, church here. Um, it's called Travelogue and you can listen to Matt's message and Ryan's message on the One Life website, the One Life app, onelifechurch.org. Um, you hit messages or just open up One Life app and hit messages. But um, I know some of the statistics from some information that you've been reading, Brett, was talking about 
so many churches need to be planted by a certain date right. to, to keep up with um, just the changing culture. Um, and when I think about that, when we talk about churches being under 250 people, I don't know, in my mind, like, are you going to have, you know, 10 churches of 50 people? Is that kind of that same thing or is it not? Or does it matter? It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, I just um, think it's interesting. I, I, now I think, think about it. They say, and, and we'll, we'll kind of talk through this a little bit. Uh, first of all, that a revitalized church is nearly the equivalent to a new church. And so uh, you can do one or the other. What they're saying, though, is that it has been proven time and time and time again the, the most effective way to reach people is new churches, mm-hmm. which it makes sense sociologically. Again, they, there's people that study these things and they watch this kind of stuff, that new churches appear to people to be more accessible. So if you have a new one out, because an older church, it makes sense. It's already has a, it already has an established um, societal kind of thing inside of its own culture where it's a little bit harder to get in. Uh, whereas if you go to a new church, you have a lot better chance of belonging and that kind of thing. And so it's more accessible. I don't know if that gets exactly to your question, yeah, but it's kind of like a, a the more new you have out there. And they also have, have tracked that new churches can tend to wake up old churches because mm. a new church going up. I mean, it's, it's not a competition thing, but it is sort of a, gosh, we haven't had a baptism and, you know, five years or whatever else, and we heard the church down the street is uh, having a bunch of them. What are we doing? And then it makes the change a little bit more motivating. Uh, Otherwise, you'll just kind of, we're all this way. We'll just kind of keep doing what we've been doing and and get kind of lazy about it. And so new churches also help spring into new territory. So I don't know if you thought about that kind of thing while you were doing your message, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to sidetrack us on church growth stuff because I've been going to conferences and reading books for a long time and all those things. And we have some of that stuff coming up. Matt's working on um, a book that that Brett wrote some content for that'll be talking a little bit more about that while we come in here. Matt is also, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, is our creative arts director. So anything super cool design that comes out of One Life comes from Matt's brain, which is pretty cool. That's right. His brain and his skills. And and Brett's too. And you, Sarah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Usually (laughs) it's just me like, oh, I don't like that color or let's tweak that a little bit. My my question would be, as you were preparing for the message itself, and and, uh, and I I like to think, sometimes you feel like you have something that you get across, but other times you're hoping something in there hits people as hard as it hit you. I mean, those are usually the best ones. Like when you're studying, there's like this... And sometimes I feel dumb about it because something that I really care about a lot, you can almost tell that people don't as much. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is this is great. Yeah. And so I'll raise my voice or whatever else, but because it meant so much to me. Did you have like a thing when you were studying for it that really kind of struck you that hadn't struck you before? Yeah, um, definitely growing in my understanding of it and my personal application of the Holy Spirit acting in my own life um, in that whole portion of connecting us to God in his sovereign plan of, of saving and, and what he's doing. Um, and then how that works out in our lives, you know, in Ephesians says that God creates good works in advance that we should walk in them. And there's this sovereignty portion and there's what we have to do and decide and follow on a daily basis and being attuned to the Holy spirit more and more. And I love that over the last few weeks, you've shown them how to make that more practical and accessible. And that's been working on me personally, just kind of reminding me of those types of things in my own life. And I wanted to try to continue that to a little bit. That's a whole sermon to itself. Right. Um, and I feel like I tried to hit on it towards the end and push towards that and make it more practical. Um, but yeah, that, that was probably the biggest part um, as we navigate, you know, what we're talking about in the message of the successes and the rejections, um, but doing it, knowing that the results, no matter what, 
are in God's hands. And uh, we're just trying to be obedient and follow right. the Holy Spirit's leading. And it may feel like a rejection to us, but we never know what God is doing yeah. with it. So probably that part. Yeah, it, 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 which kind of makes my point that that was a big, big thing for you. But I do remember in the, in the context of the message, it was it was not an also ram, but it was it was something you hit on uh, towards the end. But yeah. you didn't you didn't spend a lot of time with it, uh, which I find it's kind of interesting. That was the big takeaway for you. I know. And, and but on the Holy Spirit thing, I think people I think people struggle with that a lot because as soon as you hear that, it gets a little and there's. A, there's a little bit of standoffishness about it and, and kind of spookiness to it and, and, and everything mm-hmm. else. So when it comes to, are there other things that you didn't get to say in, in the course of the message you, that was helpful to you that you, as you've thought about this, whether in your own message or, yeah. or the ones you've heard from me or whatever else? Yeah, and, and even in the context of the book of Acts, just studying it personally, um, I was telling you guys about this earlier, the Acts 17 Paul's yeah. message at the Areopagus. I don't know if I ever say that right, but um, he's he's talking to them and he's talking about how God has laid out in our um, the times allotted to our existence and where we will even live these people so that um, he, they might reach out and find him. So he's not far from any one of us. And so if that's how God is reaching people, and then I remember early on in my journey of understanding this stuff and what it looks like to live more missionally in my own life. I was like, okay, if that's how God's reaching people, he's using people to reach people. That means my allotted place is not only to find God, but to help other people find God. And so just that journey for me personally has been huge. And I remember um, just studying that and getting that in a more specific way for the first time. And I lived in uh, Village Green Apartments on way uh, south Green River Road, right before the oh, highway. that's on the east side, yeah. Yeah, that, when I Amanda and I that. first got married, that's where our first apartment was. And uh, we lived there for maybe a couple of years. And so I immediately was like, everybody in my apartment complex, I got to see them in <laughs> with new eyes. And I was, it was really interesting. And talking about yeah. being led by the Holy Spirit, I really felt like suddenly... I was being led and directed to people like never before. It was really cool. And, wow. and it made it yeah. so practical to me. You right. know, it wasn't some hoogity boogity, you know, hyper spiritual <laughs> thing where I got dreams and stuff. It was just like, well, that guy lives upstairs from me. I say hi to him every day. And then, um, then he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm moving or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I've never talked to this guy that much. We've, you know, just passed and it's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to burn some sermons on a CD and give it to him because I knew he had a long drive. And I was like, he was literally packed up leaving. I was like, Hey man, wait, wait, wait. And I read this out. There. I was like, I made this for you. It's just some like teaching on the Bible. I thought it's been helpful to me. And maybe you can listen to it while you drive. Maybe you'll enjoy it. He's like, Oh, thanks man. Appreciate it. And he drove off. I'm like, oh, no kidding. I was like my last chance to Did talk you ever to hear him. From him. I have again? no idea, but Let's who knows what him. God might've done. Let's do a follow-up you know, episode. I mean, that's find right. Him. You're going to arrive in heaven. Maybe that's a, a big hug. Yeah. Cheesy thing to do, but or no, it's, it's, it's my last opportunity. I didn't get to talk to him, but maybe that was, at least you did something. Yeah. That's, Guided by the spirit at that. I, I yeah. think so. Absolutely. Sure. Very good. What kind do you guys have any kind of stories of stuff like that? Like weird kind of in the m- <laughs> I have one um that, that pops into my head somewhere. So I, I live in an apartment complex now and um the lady that lived above me for a long time, she doesn't live there anymore. Um she's pretty nice, but she's also one of those people that knew everything about everybody in the apartment complex, if you know what I mean. Like she just kinda knew everything that was going on. Really interesting lady. And one day so I um for 
seven-ish years or so, um, my friend and I co-led a group of middle school and high school students, girls, and we started with them in middle school and went all the way till they were seniors. And um, they had to have been in middle school at this point, and they had met, we were meeting in my apartment, and I don't know what we were doing, we are playing some sort of game where like you're standing in a circle, and um, apparently my neighbor had saw it, so a couple weeks later, she comes, she sees me outside, and she's like, hey, I had a question for you. She's like, what were you guys doing in your apartment? You guys were all in a circle. I thought you were doing like a seance or something. And I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, we were probably playing some sort of game. She's like, oh, were you praying? I was like, well, we could have been, but I don't think so. We probably, But it just turned into a really interesting conversation that wouldn't have happened right. um, if she hadn't seen us just hanging out in my right. apartment. Sure, but she yeah. assumed that it was something bad, which was really also interesting. Yeah, and you so. forget that people do think that way. Yeah. If they watch you in a, in a circle. I appreciate your integrity because you could have just said, well, yes, we were Praying. We were praying for you. We were yeah. praying, studying, and deep in thought, and mm-hmm. everything else. So, uh, and yeah. so she she actually knew you, uh, well, knew of you. So she's like, "Oh yeah, Brett, I want to come sometime. Well, you're welcome to come anytime." She hasn't come yet. <laughs> yeah, people tell me that all yeah. the time. I plan on coming. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. That is because they don't know what else to say to me. They, they think I'm all about the numbers. Uh, you know, kind of what we were talking about a while ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're running. If you were there. We could be doing a lot better. That would be just how that would go. And as you're in the, as you're in the, so you had the comparison game thing. Yeah. And then uh, remember the good news. Like when it comes to dealing with people, do you, do you find yourself fighting for that? Or is that a thing that you, do you have like a, do you default? You probably don't because of your personality. You probably don't default into getting into other issues because uh, the remember good news thing, I think, is one of the easiest things to forget yeah. as, a, as Christian people whenever we're talking about because we're hyped up about politics or just controversial issues that are out there. Yeah. Uh, but you probably are a little better at leaning towards the good news than other people I know. Yeah, that's that's probably more of my personality. You know, I'm more optimistic. I uh, I've, I think I get it from my, my parents um, just being growing up seeing how um, affectionate and, and loving, accepting they were of different people from different walks of life and coming to our house and getting to know people and seeing how they treated people um, who maybe didn't believe the same thing as them and stuff like that. It was really cool. And, but honestly, it's when I have to remember the good news most is when I'm dealing with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. When I, I preach it to myself, when I'm you know, second guessing my personal value because of something or like, you know, you, you have those moments where you're laying in bed and memories of terrible things you've done in your past, like flood in and they're kind of attacking your, right. um, spirit as far as like who you are. And you have to remind yourself that that's gone. I'm, yeah. you know, been redeemed from that. So honestly, I, it, I get more attacked by myself, um, than I do thinking of doing that yeah. to others. So, yeah. and I wonder <laughs> if that's this kind of a principle of life, because maybe one of the reasons that we all tend to lean towards may fighting over political issues or controversial things or whatever is because we, uh, we haven't really taken in the good news ourselves, uh, as much as we, 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 we see it as kind of a distant past thing. Like I came to Christ when I was a kid, but I didn't preach the good news to myself yesterday um, mm-hmm. based upon this issue that I'm going through. So I'm filled with grace rather than, because the Bible says always let your conversation be uh, full of full of grace. Well, mm-hmm. you can't be full, you, you can't give out grace unless you've received it yourself maybe. And as you say that, it mm-hmm. kind of strikes me that uh, maybe that's one of the problems uh, that we, uh, that doesn't translate very well to other people. It's easier to argue or something. Just yeah. a theory. Yeah, and, and you know, we, you know, our culture says 
this is good news. If everybody agrees with this topic or this side of the political spectrum, you know, then everything will be better. And that's, we create our own good news and we buy into that and we're preaching that to ourselves, and we're only reading those authors and only hearing those people, you know? So then we argue about it because that's what we're filling ourselves with that other idea of what good news is. So possibly. Your, your, your point, your, um, your example of talking about like church and you know how we we play that comparison game mm-hmm. by numbers. What what would tr- translate or relate to someone who maybe doesn't think of, of comparison in that way? Maybe they're thinking of um, they play the comparison game in something different. I'm sure I think something that would be an example or mm-hmm. um, something that would help relate. You know, even in just a, a normal work environment that's um, you know a business environment of some sort. Like, what would be a similar thing there where you see that? You know, is it more of like playing comparison in the sense of you know, I want to get what they have, you know, like keeping up with the Joneses type thing, or um, how would you relate that? I've got a couple on the two examples that came to mind. I had more to do with um, when I was probably more in like high school, which is kind of funny. Um, I had the comparison game thinking of myself as a believer of Jesus, but being in high school, being tempted in different directions, you know, being, uh, you know, I would compare myself to people and my how quote unquote good I was, was based off not doing as much bad as one of my friends, you know, and then Mm -hmm. that was how I compared that. It was like this weird way of justifying myself and what I did. Um, But I also, I definitely relate to students a lot because uh, school was hard. Like I kind of breezed through. I never really applied myself that much. I think I ended up with like a B average. And so like you could compare big time with how good people do in school, or maybe even then you could apply that to how successful people are in business. So I know people who graduated the same year as me who seem like way successful. I'm like, look at how much they've accomplished in their 38 years. And I'm like, have I accomplished that much? And you start to compare that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think you, you set almost deadlines for yourself. I could speak to this oh, yeah. big time because I'm in the middle of a midlife crisis. I don't mind saying it because I'm supposed to be. I'm in my 50s. You should see the convertible you just bought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, because you, you, you start thinking in terms of you notice people's ages or whatever. Well, this this movie star or this, uh, or this uh, sports star or even another pastor or whatever else, by this time in their life, they were doing these things and and when you start comparing that and, and make that your measure like oh gee i've mm-hmm. and uh, and then uh, the midlife thing comes from well it's not like i have a whole lot of time i can't go back and be some kind of superstar and whether athlete or whatever else and so uh where i've where i'm going to arrive is pretty much where i am and mm-hmm. and yeah. so that's uh and it is very much a comparison thing just uh, what were they doing at my age and everything else and so it can be a struggle. I think a lot of people deal with that. It's really, so then yeah. what you both kind of said, it's more about how you define what success is or what success that you yeah. want or you think that you need to have. Um, and that really is like, it kind of went back to your point. You know, we talk about like the success was, you know, people getting to know who Jesus is, right? And yeah. understanding and, and that. making disciples. Right, making mm-hmm. disciples. Yeah. So. so so if you think of people who are successful, like that we would, you know, <clears throat> compare ourselves to and be like, oh, well, there's probably a group of people behind them who aren't known, who apply, who they discipled them, who yeah. loved them, who gave them an opportunity and made that success possible. You know, so those people, well, they're just as important or else that person wouldn't be there. And yeah, so exactly. I, I love that, you know, thinking of that story, like who knows how God is using you, if you're listening to this, in a really cool way um, to care for someone and create 
something greater than you could know. And then you take it further and you remember that if that's a definition of success, I can do that for others. So, yeah. uh, because I know the background of my, cause I have to think about that too, the comparison thing. You gave the example of there are churches that have, you know, 30 plus sites and there are churches that have, you know, 30 people and I'm fall kind of somewhere in between there. But so I have to remember that comparison thing. But at the same time, what am I doing to really lift others up? Because I know I've been lifted up and there are people in my life and my background that help me get where I am that no one would know about. They, they, uh, no one watching my life would know that they're there and that I wouldn't, uh, that I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for them. So can I be that for someone else is mm-hmm. kind of a good thing to think, okay, that would be successful or success would be helping others get to wherever they want to go. I think yeah. one of my favorite things, even on our team, um, Matt and I are on the creative arts and communication team and it doesn't happen as, uh, super often, but every once in a while we'll get either a friend or someone that is working, either starting or a part of a, a new church and, um, and they'll be like, Hey, how do you guys do this? And we love that. We love being mm-hmm. able, not that we have everything figured out by any means, right. but you know, we've, we've, you know, made some mistakes and learned from them and, and do some, some things that we feel like we do well and some things that we need help with and so it's really fun when you know either other either even other churches like hey you know how do you guys do this and we love learning from other churches as well which is really kind of a cool neat thing matt thanks for coming hanging out with us hey thanks for having me (laughs) it's fun to continue the conversation (laughs) i got to kind of share a weird part of my personal story of learning michael jackson's moonwalk on oprah Mm -hmm. and that's right, which was a really, really good moment. I appreciate that. Now I know I have greater insight into who you are. I'm definitely going to pull that up later and just but. see what you were watching as a child. Yeah, we could probably find it. <laughs> be great. Uh, Brett, anything coming up that you want to highlight? Yeah, I, I think there, there's a couple of things that people need to go, go know going into 2020. Uh, here in a couple of weeks, we are going to talk a lot about our direction as a church and where we're going and, and people... Uh, have asked that or they've sensed that we're not going somewhere or something like that. So we're going to clarify that and the church planning thing will come up. And then as the year uh, progresses, uh, we are going to be doing uh, we're really going to be challenging everybody to invite people um, as part of making disciples. Uh, we're coming up in a series that's called uh, called Friends, and uh, finally kind of came down to how I'm going to approach that. And it's going to be about excellence in relationships. I'm going to study how Jesus loved people, especially his disciples. He comes to the end of his life and he says uh, that he, or the Bible says that he loved those who were his own in the world. And well, how did he love them? What did it mean for him to love them? And going back and tracing that and watching Jesus actually how he did love people. So we'll be doing that. And then following that after Easter, we'll be um, talking about the scourge on our society called pornography. So that's coming up in, in the course of the year. And if I survive that, we've got other cool things coming up <laughs> after <laughs> in the summer and, and on to the fall. I have an idea for the friend series. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Every week. The title of the episode should be like a friend's title of an a title of the sermons should be the title like a friend's episode like the one where the one where yeah, that's like, true that's right they so use that up, all right yeah. we're, we're doing it it's we, gonna you, happen you heard now. it right here that's right <laughs> that's what we're going for it oh uh, guys thanks so much for listening thanks for hanging out and again we would love to have your feedback you can always email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org and i also want to say a special thanks to our friend scott who's been helping out the past few weeks um starting the camera kind of behind the camera helping out setting up and it's always really helpful to have people come in and volunteer and just learn some stuff so we always appreciate that guys thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next week
We'd love to hear from you guys. You can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. You can leave a comment on YouTube or on Apple Podcast or anywhere you're listening to this podcast. We'd love for you guys to share that out. Let more people hear this great content and have an opportunity to continue that conversation even further. Our music was produced by Michael Robertson and Ben Brock. My name's Sarah, and I produced this episode. <laughs>